And thanks for joining me, everyone. Charles Moskowitz here. And my guest is James Simpson, back for a second visit here. He is an author. He's uh, written the book, The Red-Green Axis 2.0, An Existential Threat to America and the World, Civilization Jihad Reader Series, book number 13. And uh, we talked about that issue last time. This time, James, I want to talk a little bit about a report you've written on the phenomena of, um, of, of caravans crossing the border from Mexico. What is going on with that? What does that look like right now? Well, uh, it has declined a little bit, as it does generally in the summer months because it's so hot. But it is still uh, absolutely insane at the border. They are still interdicting 1,000 people a day and those are the ones they catch. Most of them who they catch are coming in voluntarily, not all of them. But uh, <clears throat> Laura Logan actually did a very good series on that. Um, <clears throat> what's going on there right now? But you know, this, this, when the migrant crisis occurred in 2015 in Europe, I said, they're getting ready to do the same thing here. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what has happened. This is not some happenstance where millions of people just suddenly decided to abandon their generations long homes and come to the north of their own volition with no resources or an, enough money in their pocket to buy a soda. This was a carefully planned, carefully organized uh, effort by Central American communists, leftists, American communist members, American nonprofits who uh, uh, make no bones about the fact that they are you know, against capitalism. I mean, they, they say this out loud and not insignificantly, but rather very significantly, a big uh, arm up from the United Nations. There are currently yes. five UN organizations working in Central America and Mexico to assist the migrants with food, with shelter, and they are bused in air-conditioned buses. You know, they talked about how this the, the first caravan was going to get to the border by November 2018 in time for the um, elections and everybody was scratching their heads and say, how can they walk almost 2,000 miles in, you know, a month <laughs> to, right? Very suspicious. <laughs> and of course, they didn't walk, you know, anytime the, the, the cameras were there, they could they get out of the buses and show them pouring across bridges and things like that. And of course, it may be at border stations, but everywhere else, they were getting driven in air-conditioned buses, ferried right up to the border. And that's been going on all this time. And I got to tell you, you know, we pay for 37% of the UN High Commissioner for Refugees budget. And that is the primary UN agency working to organize and assist these migrants. 
And, you know, the UN High Commissioner for Refugees was very instrumental in getting the Migrant Compact signed by many Western nations. And the UN High Commissioner for Refugees, the, the Migrant Compact essentially makes it a human right for people to migrate wherever they want. And the UN wants to see two million people migrate a year. And this goes back. Now, this is interesting. I want to just talk just talk sure. a little bit about this. Yep. So this migrant compact, that wasn't signed by the United States, was it? Thank God we had President Trump, who knew better than to sign it. If we had had President Hillary, we would all be on the hook. And the migrant uh, compact includes um, provisions ordering those signatories to create hate speech laws for anybody who speaks anything ill of migrants. Well, you know, that's already happening. I mean, I've already been uh, uh, struck in at at, at YouTube because of reasons that have not been explained to me. I was told that I said something hateful or there was some hate speech. I had on a guest and we were talking about Jewish in Israel issues. We both are Jewish. You know, we're both very religious people too, by the way. But something was said by either me or him that led to my uh, station being uh, limited for for two months. So, yeah, I mean, and and I was told that I had done something that that involved hate speech, which is, you know, and and the irony is that there are some programs on YouTube that are viciously anti-Semitic and they're not touched. But, yeah, I think that they don't like me because, you know, as a conservative Jew, the... the, um, the ADL and all those people, they hate me more than anybody. But putting that aside, what? Putting that aside, the um, the compact, to get back to the subject here. Sure, sure. Uh, do we have a list of the nations that signed this thing? Uh, yes, we do. I don't have it immediately. At hand. Was, it, was it European nations, Western yes. nations? Yes, almost entirely. I want to talk about just what this is, because this is a complete abrogation of national sovereignty. You know, one of the most basic functions of any sovereign nation is to decide who enters the national home. Now, if a nation wants to have refugees come in, and we do in this country, then they can apply for refugee status and they can be welcomed in if they want migrants. That's their business. But that is the question. That's a question that needs to be answered by that sovereign nation. That's what's called. That's a democratic approach. Right. And to sign a document compelling a nation to welcome people into their national home, whether they want to or not. Yep. That would be like, uh, you know, to bring it to, sometimes it's, when you talk about these things, it's good to bring it to a microcosm to understand it. That would be like you, our listener, or you or I, signing an agreement to let anybody come into our private home. Well, yeah. And, 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 you know, in my first Red Green Axis book, I talked about, where the entire modern refugee resettlement uh, agenda was first articulated. It was the 1976 Conference on Human Settlements in Vancouver, Canada, sponsored by the United Nations. And in that compact, they laid out specifically that um, private property was uh, was was exploitive and unjust. 
And so the only way to obtain social justice is to abolish private property and give it over to the government to uh, control. And then along with that, it advised creating settlements policies that didn't recognize national borders. They rather took the Marxist redistribute uh, concept and applied it to population. So populations, it was unfair that Somalis have to live in a uh, barren uh, desert while we get to live in this beautiful verdant countryside. Mm -hmm. And so it's only fair that they get resettled here. And of course, so that's where that whole concept originated. And of course, they've been building up to it, first with the refugee resettlement program in the United States, which essentially opened the floodgates to third world people from all over the place and with rampant uh, fraud uh, and abuse of the system. Most of the Somalis in this country are not who they say they are, or if they are, they have conducted some kind of fraud to get to get into this country. Um, yeah. And, and, and so um, so this is this is a, a program that culminated with the migrant um, compact. Now, let me just see. I'm going to try to pull up the provisions of that migrant compact. Yes. Uh, here it is. Uh, can you see that? Um, no. Oh. oh, darn it. And now it came off. Hold on. I have to start all over again. Uh, Maybe do it the old-fashioned way. Hold up a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, right. I don't have a piece of paper. All right, no problem. So, uh, but let's see. Well, I'll just do it this way. Um, okay, start sharing uh, this. Can you see that? Um, yes, excellent. Okay, so uh, let's see. It says resume slideshow. So I'm just going to go through here. Oh, this is the wrong one. Oh, darn. Well, it's pretty see. interesting, though. Oh, it's very interesting. <laughs> okay, so here we go. UN Migrant Compact. Yep. Here's the one that makes it illegal. We commit to eliminate all forms of discrimination, condemn and counter expressions, acts and manifestations of racism, racial discrimination, violence, xenophobia, and related intolerance against all migrants. And of course, in Europe, uh, uh, for example, uh, Angela Merkel already said those, um, even though in the migrant compact, they're offered as so-called suggestions, uh, Angela Merkel said they were in fact binding on the signatory countries of which Germany was one. And so, and most of the Western European uh, countries joined in. A few decided to drop out once again, following the leadership of President Trump. I think it was actually uh, South American nations like Brazil and Argentina that, that, that declined to sign. But most did, and so most now are on the hook to create hate speech laws. And all of these, this, this first quote that I read there comes out of, right out of the Organization for Islamic Cooperation, which helped the UN to um, enact 
resolution 1618, which is against um, speech uh, that they call hate speech, which is really nothing more than a backdoor effort to create blasphemy laws against Islam, because as you know, they can condemn and defame uh, Judaism all they want. They absolutely smear and ridicule Christianity, and and nobody calls them on that. This is all about Islam. So no, exactly, and and it's uh, you know, and by the way, if I if I simply read uh, from the Quran without. Um, Without commentary yeah. on on a program, I'd be I'd be removed in a minute. Yeah, I, um, right. In, in fact, I think that it was um, my, Michael Graham, who was a big talk show host in Washington D.C. <coughs> he was fired for doing just that. That's all he did. And Care contacted the station and said he has to go. Yeah. So well, you know, this is so. So what you're saying then is that mm -hmm. part of this um, th this refugee contract, which would force a nation to take I don't, know, I don't know how many number of refugees from a foreign country, so-called refugees, really migrants, right. economic migrants, actually, that, that not only do they have to take them, but they can't criticize them. They it's, cannot comment on it. Right. There's like a, a silence. Now, the other part of this is that the selling point, the marketing for the public has been that people in Central America, Guatemala, Honduras, uh, El Salvador, that they are suffering horribly in those countries, and that it's a humanitarian crisis. These people wow. Wow. are being terrorized by by drug gangs and right. corrupt governments. Right. And this is something that younger people, including people in my own family who are generally you know conservative oriented people who are in college or in high school, they have been really sucked into this. They really believe that this is a horrible crisis right. and that we must open our doors and do something to help people, women are being raped and you yeah. know, people are being murdered and children are being you yeah. know, abused and all yeah. the rest. Yeah. Now, what is really the truth here and how can we talk about this in a way that gets beyond this kind of propaganda, this kind of atrocity propaganda that they're yep. employing. Yep. They employ, employ the same tactics everywhere. A Students for Democratic Society radical said in the 60s, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. So pick your issue, civil rights, uh, immigrant rights, gay rights, uh, environmentalism, anything that you can think of. The issue is not the issue. The issue only matters insofar as it can deliver its advocates into positions of power. That's what the left is all about. And they leverage themselves into positions of power using these issues by creating the perception that somehow the focal point of these issues is being treated unjustly or without compassion uh, or without fairness. 
And so, therefore, psychologically, if you oppose this issue, automatically you set yourself up as a target for being uncompassionate, for being hateful, for being bigoted. And that is the technique they use everywhere. Now, all of these issues are sprinkled with the truth. Nobody would argue that we can do more to fix our environment. Nobody could argue that there is injustice in the world and that some of these people live horrible lives. Nobody can uh, argue with these various issues and they appeal to our natural sense of compassion. We want to help. What we don't realize is that our own emotions, our own uh, proclivities are being manipulated, are being used against us for a subversive agenda that cares nothing about those people, those issues. And the best way to uh, illustrate that with the migrant situation is, for example, that young man and his daughter whose picture went viral of them drowning in the Rio Grande. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Would they have attempted that if the left in this country wasn't urging migration here? If they in Central America didn't see uh, activist judges uh, going beyond their constitutional authority to deny the Trump administration its ability to seal the border, uh, or the leftist organizations in the United States and in Central America who have been urging these people to come forward, making it absolutely very easy for them to come forward, and either providing them with the five to $10,000 each that it costs, or having them sell all their, well, all their goods to make that kind of money uh, to come to the uh, United States. So this all falls right at the feet of the left, and it shows how little they actually care about these migrants that they would allow to be uh, raped and murdered by human traffickers, uh, by drug dealers. Well, I would even argue that they actually glorify in that because it furthers their propaganda. They want yeah. that. You yeah. know, they don't care. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. you, you know, we could take a look. I mean, the answer to those, I think, who say, well, we have to welcome tens of thousands of people into this country is that, no, we can help them in their own countries their own country. by getting rid of their damn socialist regimes. Yep. Yep. and beginning to uh, maybe contribute to local groups yep. and maybe like the Catholic Church, for example, and, and other good groups that uh, actually are trying to help people in those countries. There's no one that has a right to come here. No. We don't have to do this. That's right. And it's not a matter of, it really, you know, they say, well, President Trump is into this because he doesn't like black and brown people. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm hearing from left-wingers that I have to deal with in, who are close to me. Absolute lie. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, it, it's something that, uh, uh, you know, it's a preposterous. I mean, if, if people pouring in the border from Canada, there wouldn't have been any difference. Yeah. It's, it's simply an issue of preserving the right of a nation to decide who enters the national home 
And why? I mean, it's, it's out of interest. It's our sovereignty. But That's right. We have to protect our sovereignty. And also, you know, not only is it completely uncompassionate toward the migrants, because I guarantee you, once the left is able to use those migrants to uh, bolster its electoral base to the point where they don't have to worry about elections anymore, which is their ultimate agenda. For sure. Those people will become utterly irrelevant. They will. They could not care how they're treated. They don't care anything about. Well, them. yeah. I mean, they just want to get them. They want to get them on the dole, and and it's also uh, damaging to uh, labor in this country oh, to bring in cheap labor. You know, our. You know, I point this out to um, liberals who who think that they're so, so pro labor and pro labor unions. Well, it took unions a hundred years to get labor to the point where they can have a good, you know, living and they can have you know, good equitable wages and working conditions. And to bring in illegal aliens to do the job under the table, that yeah. undercuts labor. And labor knows it, and yet they support it. Their leadership does. And, and that was the consequence of a sea change in 1995 when uh, the Troika of Richard Trumka yeah. and uh, I forget the other two, um, Sweeney, Sweeney, and and the woman I can't remember her name. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, troika of communists who were elected to uh, the AFL-CIO leadership, and they lifted the ban on communists serving in uh, top-level labor positions, and right. that changed the net because right up until that point, <clears throat> American labor had been steadfastly against illegal immigration as soon as that happened they flipped and so it once again it shows the union leadership which is now pretty much all communist could care less about the union rank and file they are interested in assisting the left now represented by the democrat party to obtain absolute power in this nation and to overthrow our constitutional republic and replace it with a communist one. Absolutely true. And they don't, you know, they don't really care about the interests of labor. It's so obvious in so many ways. I mean, they don't care about, um, you know, education. Uh, instead, they want to keep people locked into these massive government-run schools. They don't care about minorities. Otherwise, they'd be supporting the development of, uh, of industry and, and, you know, capital and uh, yeah. reducing yeah. bad regulations yeah. so that so that minorities can make a buck and start to get into business. Yep. But um, and, and uh, they're fully conscious. Their main concern, as yep. you say, is the authoritarian utopian revolution, this bizarre, you know, kind of messianic idea that they can change the world. They could change human nature yeah. and, and do so by moving everyone toward <laughs> this international ant colony. Right. This collective. Yeah. And, uh, and that's exactly what this whole migration agenda is about. It has nothing to do with helping some poor people in Guatemala. No. You know, no. It, it's, uh, it's, it's an attempt to change the nature of the United States by bringing, by overloading our system with people who are not working and who are here of a different culture. You know, it's like to even mention that, you're going to be called horrible names. But the okay. fact is that every nation has a culture, and they have a right to preserve it and support it. Yeah. It's that and, simple. And our culture, our Judeo-Christian culture, 
is what brought us the most successful nation in the world that is an inspiration to all others, at least those that aren't jealous and hateful of it and want to destroy it for that reason. That, our culture, and I don't credit, you know, some people say, oh, well, that's white supremacy. Well, no, actually, uh, I don't think we should call anything white supremacy because whites are no different than other people. They're every bit as sinful, every bit as fallen. And we can look at that, look at the example of Stalin and Hitler. They were right. There's they were nothing white. about white supremacy that makes white supremacy good. And there's nothing about, you know, whites are not supreme. I Our couldn't agree more. Christian heritage is supreme. That's right. It's a cultural, it's cultural supremacy. It comes from the word of God. That's what makes That's it. right. And there are certain ideals and principles that have made this country exceptional, and those we hold as superior. Oh. Obviously, anybody of any race can embrace those. I mean, that's, that's it's, you know, yes, there are white supremacists out there, but that's a fringe it's group. And this is another one of those things, you know, that besides, uh, you know, attacking anyone who opposes the migration because they they are you know they're cruel and they're mean. They're also claiming that we are white supremacists. Putting yeah. aside the fact that I don't consider myself to be white, but that's <laughs> that's you know that's another issue. The point is that we want to keep white folk in, in power. And Donald Trump, every little move he's made is proof that he's a white supremacist. And they they know that this is crap, but they're going to push this thing. I mean, I'm even listening last night to um, to NPR. You know, Channel Two here in Boston, and they did a whole show on this—the secret white supremacist dog whistles—and they move here and they look there. There's proof that there's white supremacy, and well, uh, and that's this is what they're going to do. I mean, this is what they're going to hammer away at, and it's besides the fact that it creates a dialectic of race conflict, anyways, and we do have different con conflicting. Uh, feelings with regards to clashes between ethnicities and races. That's normal. Right. But they're going to fan those flames yes. to to make this to make their, their political bones and to and also to mobilize hatreds among minorities. It's this morning I'm listening comfort. to Joe. I'm listening to Joe Madison this morning. I listen to. Or I, I like to listen to both conservative and progressive radio. He's a great talk show host, but he's very much a man of the left, and he's black. And he is there referring to President Trump's, um, and he's like a huge following, to President Trump's speech in North Carolina as a Klan rally, and that they're going to come and take us all away. And that this is, you know, oh. and, 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 you know, this is, he's a serious guy, too. I mean, Joe Madison. And, you know, this is what they're doing. This is how they're going to approach this. Well, as I say over and over again, this not, you, you just step back from this and look at it from 30,000 feet. It is nothing more than a divide-and-conquer strategy. I mean, it is basic military strategy. Divide-and-conquer. Throw in so many races and ethnic groups together. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm all for diversity to a point. Uh, but we all know that cultures clash, that racism exists among all 
cultures, all races. Of course, it's part. It's it's a dark side of human nature. It's just, and it, 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 it should be reduced. The best way to reduce it is an American system that allows for both upward and downward mobility based on achievement. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, but so, but they then exploit that and sow those divisions and uh, inflame those divisions uh, as a divide and conquer uh, uh, strategy. And you know, I have a chapter in my Red Green Axis 2.0 called "Diversity is Not Our Strength." Well, you know, the left always says diversity is our strength. Well, actually, it is their strength because it is our weakness. We have brought in enough migrants today that it currently there's over 400 uh, languages spoken, spoken in public schools, 400 languages. That's an impossible, chaotic system to manage. How do our children get a good education when they have to deal with 20 or 30 percent of the student body that doesn't speak English but speaks a myriad of other languages, it's like the Tower of Babel. And this is so, but it's the left's strength because it's our weakness. It undermines our society, it undermines our ability to function, and that is what the left has wanted. And I call it, actually, it is, it's a Cloward Piven manufactured crisis strategy. And right, I discuss exactly. that in the book as well. And you, by the way, are one of the, I should mention, you are what you deserve a lot of credit as one of the people that brought this issue up in the first place. You did so on uh, on the Blaze. Uh, you brought it up to uh, to Glenn Beck, and he then went with that. And this was uh, you exposed the cloud, the uh, Francis Fox, Fox Piven and Richard Cloward, two sociologists from Columbia University, back in the 1960s, wrote a very famous article in Nation magazine and a couple of other pieces. Yep. where they talked about a strategy of how to implement socialism in America. Yep. And at the time, I mean, I wrote about this in my book about ACORN. Mm. And at the time, they, they were like, we have to overload the system yep. till it falls apart. Yep. So they then there were all these uh, groups. And when Nixon became president, rather than have the government run welfare, mm -hmm. he said, in a way, it worked out worse. Yeah. He simply took the money and he subcontracted it to these different groups across the country, one of which was ACORN, yep. and uh, and let them do whatever they wanted with it. And what they did was that they literally went door to door to get people to sign up for welfare to the point where the system couldn't handle it anymore. That's what they do. And they also did the same thing, by the way, and I document this in my book with voting voter fraud. Nope. I, you know, just, all, I've written you know, all about it. Yeah. So, I mean... That's what's going on, and you're absolutely right to point out that it's the same agenda right now with migration. Yep. Overwhelm the border with tens of thousands of people crossing over. You can't stop it, and it's going to create a tsunami. Yep. It'll just and the system will implode. It'll become overdrawn, yep. and 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 uh, you know, this is how they'll destroy capitalism yep. with debt yep. by overwhelming the system with deficit. And before you know it, the government is spending, you know, something like a third of its budget on maintaining the debt. And in addition to that, we have uh, illegal alien crime, which is off the charts. I mean, for example, in Arizona, criminal aliens, uh, of all the people currently in prison, 
a state prison in Arizona who have committed uh, kidnapping, over 18% of them are criminal aliens. Uh, about 12% of the people in prison for homicide in Arizona alone are criminal aliens. Uh, similar statistics for rape and sexual molestation of children. Um, it's simply stunning. They engage in crime way outside the proportion of their numbers. Uh, to, uh, the General Accounting Office just created uh, a, a new criminal alien statistics report and they go up to 2015 in five states in 2015 there were over 9,000 illegal aliens in five state prisons, uh, the prisons of five states for homicide. Over 9,000. And you know, it's interesting here that you bring this up, Jim, because uh, there is this group, I, I don't exactly remember the name of it, Immigration uh, Research. They've been around for a long time. They've been doing this work, I think since they started in the early 90s, who try to get information using the Freedom of Information Act from the government with regard to the exact number of, of illegal immigrant crimes on the record and the exact number of illegal immigrants in prisons. And they can't get that information. Even on the President Trump, they can't get the information. And now they've been called by the Southern Poverty Law Center, uh, you know, racist. It's a Center for Immigration Studies, and they uh, have sued SPLC, and they have sued it under RICO statutes. I really like it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, to imagine like a private group like that having to go oh, no, through this. And, and they're simply asking the government to give them information that the government can't justify hiding. And, and you know, I wonder how many, you know, they talk about prison overcrowding. Yep. Why would they have illegal aliens in prison? They should be deported immediately. immediately. Why are we paying them? Why are we giving them three squares a day and letting them threaten, and, and the, you know, our prisoners? I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a rational policy at all. I mean, why can't we get an explanation from well, someone in terms you. of why this is happening? I'll tell you one reason, because up until the current administration, none of the presidents had the guts to confront the home nations of these people and order them to take back these illegal aliens. Because what happens is they get deportation orders and the country refuses to take them. And so rather than saying, well, tough luck, we're going to fly over your uh, local airport and just throw them out the window, uh, they say, oh, well, I guess we just have to keep them then. I mean, this You know, is this might sound like a really draconian... Is it foreign policy? I mean, I, I might be bringing up a very draconian idea. I mean, I remember this was talked about by the late Gene Burns, who was a radio talk show host in Boston in the 1980s. Very, very bright guy, a libertarian not particularly conservative. And he pointed out that the British Empire had prison colonies around the world, one of them which was Australia, where they would send people who were, you know, they'd empty the prison and send them to Australia. Why can't we do this? Yeah. <laughs> we can send them to the Aleutian Islands. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right? Or or the outer the Hebrides or yeah, you know, yeah. some some remote place. And you know, give them supplies, give you know, treat them humanely. Let them form a village. Maybe they'll reform. Look at the Australians today. 
It's yeah. actually seen as a, a, a prestige if you have convict ancestry. So, you know, maybe they could have an opportunity to build a life, but away from us. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's answers to all this stuff that, you know, the solutions are simple. They're just not easy. Right. And, and, and a lot of what, what we're trying to do here, and one of the reasons why our founding fathers uh, recognized the right to free speech, free press, and the right to assembly wasn't so you could tell someone to go fuck themselves. Yes. It, it was so you could actually talk about political issues, yeah. you know, so you could actually take a look at political conspiracies and, and get answers to political questions. Right. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what they're trying to ban now. Yep. Yep. Anyways, yep. they're very afraid of us. So well, what do you have coming up, Jim? Well, uh, you know, last night I had my premier um, episode of the Swamp Report at EncounterTruth.com. This is a subscription service, and it's basically an online television program. And there are a number of my friends uh, and associates who also have their own shows on there. I urge your audience to uh, look it up, EncounterTruth.com. It is a subscription service. It costs $15 a month. I pay that as well. And then uh, you can subscribe to the different uh, channels. And mine is the Swamp Report. Uh, once a week, I provide an hour-long program that delves deeply into all these issues that we're talking about. Last night, I talked about the Migration Compact. I talk about, uh, in depth, in great depth, the effort to silence us and where that agenda was initiated, who initiated it, and what they were thinking about. It goes all the way back to Vladimir Lenin. Um, said we must speak in a language that inspires hate, revulsion, and scorn toward those who disagree with us. So the whole idea is to discredit and inspire hatred against people who they don't like because we disagree with them. And so, of course, they're the haters, but they're trying to characterize us as the haters just for calling them out on what they do. So that was, for example, what I did. Of course, I have the Red Green Axis 2.0, brand mm -hmm. new book just out, very important book for uh, understanding the entire agenda behind refugee resettlement, immigration, and the overall collusion between the left and the Muslim organizations uh, to basically subvert and overthrow our nation. It's all in there, probably the most uh, comprehensive uh, book that's put together that information anytime, anywhere. Um, you can go to the Center for Security Policy uh, website, that's securefreedom.org. You can download this book free of charge as a PDF, uh, or you can find it on Amazon. You can find many articles of mine at Center for Security Policy. You can also find my archives at crisisnow.net. Excellent. Uh, James, I really want to thank you for joining me. You know, talking to you, I really feel kind of like bucked up and ready to face, <laughs> you know, some of the people that I have to face in my life. That's for yeah, sure. I know. And so, know. yep. And that's what we can do. We can help each other. We anyway, James Simpson, thanks so much. And let's stay in touch. Let's do some more programming. Absolutely. Great to be with you, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day.